0: Hi, Charlotte, and welcome to the Inspiring Future Leaders podcast. I'm really excited to have you here with me today and looking forward to our chat. If you could first please briefly introduce yourself to the audience and then we'll get started.
1: Thank you so much, Kelly. It's a pleasure to be here and thank you so much for having me. My name is Charlotte Cobart. I'm the Head of Customer Success at Collective Benefits, an insured tech and benefits platform for independent workers on a mission to fix the protection gap in the gig economy. I've been in customer success since I moved to the UK, so about four years ago now. I started as a customer success manager at Picon, An employee engagement analytics platform, and then quickly realized how much I liked building things, which includes building teams. So I moved on to a company called Learnably as their head of customer success. Learnably at the time was a seed stage company with only 14 employees, looking to simplify workplace learning for companies across the globe. I was at Learnably for a bit over two years. And during my time there, I grew the customer success team from one customer success manager to five. And also took over the service operations team which really developed and challenged my thinking around customer experience beyond just customer success and now as i mentioned i joined another early stage company called collective benefits to do it all over again
0: i really like that thing around you discovering that you liked building things including building teams i tend to do this i i write out a couple of trigger questions Uh, And then there's always something in the intro from the guests that makes me think, oh, let's let's talk about that instead. So when you say building things, including teams, what is it about building teams that you found interesting and that drew your attention?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. And I've been reflecting on this a lot and just really to try and understanding myself and what I really like about it. But just looking back at my career, I think everything leads back to employee engagement. So after university, I moved to Barcelona to help build a contact center there for a large translations company called TransPerfect. And I was given the opportunity to develop an employee engagement concept to attract and retain talent, uh, which was really critical for an industry with high employee turnover. So when I was doing that, I quickly discovered how much I enjoyed solving that problem and uh, decided to kind of take the lead on on an employee experience program for the parent company. And and ever since, I just wanted to also bridge the gap basically in that experience because I was working with lots of leaders and uh, trying to kind of improve the experience for their employees. Uh, but I also just felt like I wanted to have that personal experience myself to uh, so kind of combine it with the theory and also just having more of a direct impact on people's careers and experiences at work. Charlotte, <laughs> and
0: I am so interested and intrigued to hear all about this. Wow, where do I start? I think the piece that really kind of piqued my interest there was the fact that you said you've been working with lots of leaders in order to understand them, to understand their employees. What sort of learnings do you think you got from? all of those leaders, bearing in mind that you were talking to them specifically about employee engagement and employee experience?
1: There was so many learnings. Um, so it was there was learnings from me just experiencing leadership myself um, as an employee. I think there was quite a few learnings there in terms of how they ask questions in interview. I still remember one of those questions that really kind of impacted my career. Um, at first, I was a bit scared to answer that question because they asked me, what is kind of my north star, kind of my bigger... Uh, objective in my career and I was really scared to answer that question because I thought it would impact or change the perception they had on my motivation for the job but and then I just realized how important it is to ask that question so that's definitely something I, I keep on doing and encouraging in my conversations to really understand what's the bigger picture for for the people you work with but also just at the time there was a huge gap in understanding employee engagement and the drivers of engagement as well So I think just having those conversations and providing more clarity to leadership on what that means and what is actually part of of the experience was a big learning for me as well. And just kind of having those conversations, really open conversations with those leaders and trying to understand, okay, what's the most important thing for their people at the moment? I love that learning about the
0: question in the interview, what is your North Star? I had a fairly similar experience a number of years ago. I got asked this question, where do you see yourself in five years? And there was part of me that was terrified to answer really authentically. I took the plunge because I didn't know where I saw myself in five years' time because I like to assess opportunities as they arise. And I was very authentic and I told the CEO of the company that I was applying to and he loved that authentic answer. And I love the fact that you also took the plunge and, and answered the question in an authentic way, because, as you say, understanding the bigger picture for people really gives colour and depth to what you can do for your team and vice versa. Digging down in there though, you said that you'd had lots of questions about what was important to their employees and helping leaders find and understand that bigger picture. What do you think some examples of
1: those things were? There was a lot around career progression. I think that's just a a big thing that we're still trying to solve nowadays. I think it's very not straightforward. It's, It's a challenge I faced in every company that I worked in, in every role that I've been in, and just kind of how do you make that more meaningful? And one of the things we actually did was just turning that upside down because career progression was something that was... More a top-down thing. And I think just looking at more from a bottom-up perspective and just kind of having that discussion with with the leaders I worked with was super interesting and also kind of changed my perception. So looking at career progression upside down, basically, and taking it from a bottom-up approach... Just open up a lot of new conversations and also new alternatives and also new ways of looking at it. And also involving employees directly in that process um, has been really impactful for me because it's understanding what do they want to be measured on, what does success look like to them, and not just what are the steps the the company expect me to take to be successful in my career. So I think it's understanding where does the company want you to be to be successful and progress, but also where does the individual want to be to kind of be happy and, and progress in, in their own way and where do, do the two paths kind of come together and I think just having those conversations and involving people in that process and not just making that an HR framework uh, has been really powerful. I'm so glad we went down this road I'm loving that and I'm, I'm
0: sure I probably have had conversations that are similar to this but this is probably the first time Maybe ever, but certainly in a long time that I've heard it articulated in this way. And you're right. Traditionally, there has been this expectation that when you work for a company, you are expected to follow the path that the company defines, that the HR processes define. uh, And you have to fit into what the company expectation is. You talked about changing it from a, a top down to a bottom up, but actually what you're talking about is looking at all the perspectives. So, making sure that you've got a process which, yes, takes into account what the organization wants to achieve and what it needs from each of its roles, but understanding the perspectives from the people who are actually doing those roles and where their ideas and values might take the company, pulling that together so that there's a collaboration and a combining of those perspectives to get to the most valuable position. I think is is fantastic. And I, and I love that you have had that experience. Are you still seeing these kind of approaches with the companies that you're working now? Is it something that you're bringing into those organizations because you've seen it work so well in the past? What's the ongoing experience that you're having?
1: Yeah, so that was definitely the first time I experienced that was in Barcelona working with one of my colleagues and she introduced me to that concept and I was just amazed. And I was like, yeah, that makes so much sense. you know? Like, why don't when we think about it this way? And then working at PCON, one of my clients as well was really keen on asking the question, what does progression mean to you? Because that was something that that was missing in their kind of framework. And that was also a really interesting question. And I was like, that also makes a lot of sense. And it it was really interesting to look at the results and also just kind of taking a more personal approach to what progression means for people. And then, yes, as soon as I was able to step into a leadership position, making my, my own first experiences with with that model, with that concept, because it's different when you're telling other people to do it and what best practice looks like until you have to do it yourself. So I think that's that was one of my motivations as well to become a leader is that I wanted to also, you know, use my experience and also experiment with different ways of doing things. And, and having those conversation with, uh, with the, the person in my team at the time really helped me develop that thinking and putting things into practice. And I've really enjoyed doing that. And now as well, joining Collective Benefits, it's something I wanna keep on doing. It's still early days. I'm also looking forward to seeing how we can look at career progression there. That
0: sounds great. You said something there, which- which is also so very true. It is different when you are either facilitating or coordinating, um, advising others how to incorporate best practices or to explore best practices and implement it for themselves than actually having to do it yourself. There are just different um, perspectives and nuances to it. What are the sorts of Practical elements that you've found that have worked well for you as you've been an implementer, so in um, Learnably and obviously early days at Collective Benefits. What are some of the practicalities that people are listening could? benefit from hearing your experiences either the things that have worked really well or the challenges that you've come across that you've found your way through have you got some examples of that
1: yes definitely one thing i recognize over time is that some people are very aware of their north star and where they want to be or where they think they want to be at the time when you have the conversation And then there's other people that need a bit more pushing, a bit more questions to kind of trigger that thinking and help them get to that North Star. And it's also just understanding that that could mean two very different things for people. And I guess it's up to us to kind of create an environment for them that really works for them, regardless of what their North Star is and how clear they are on it. One thing I really like doing is the VIA Strength Character Test, which is a free test that you can do online. Uh, it analyzes uh, 24 of your strengths and just kind of points out your five signature strengths, which is a really great way for you to kind of start the conversation because it's all about the strengths. And I think if you focus on the strengths, that kind of leads to more job satisfaction, it leads to more confidence more encouragement and you can really kind of start understanding what their value in their job and if they're also able to use their strengths in their job enough and if not like what are the experiences they need to actually be able to use their strengths more so i think that's really i think in the focus for me in any career path any work experience understanding their strengths, understanding their North Star, having those conversations and building that confidence and and a plan together. I want to clone you, Charlotte. Could you just tell me what was the name of the test that you do? Via Character Strength Test. It's a free test and it's also very interesting to do this over time. So you don't just do it once and you have the conversation again. And you can also ask them, what are the strengths you wish were in your top five and and why? And then you can see a slight shift. Sometimes you do see kind of two strengths you know, exchanging with each other in, in the order. And that's really interesting. And again, opens up new conversations and new ways of looking at progression. You can get team profiling as well motivational maps is
0: one of them where you can understand those characteristics the roles that their strengths would play to and also how they interact with other team members to make sure that everyone's getting as motivated as possible and have got their strengths being used to the most value and I love this because there are so few people that work on this basis in fact I had a conversation with Anika Zubair exactly around this about the fact that when she works with her team she looks at her strengths Whereas, again, traditionally, there's been a bit about you have to understand your strengths, but also your flaws. And then you have to work on where the gaps are and and build up those flaws and turn them into strengths. And actually, I think, well, you know, we're all individuals. We're all unique. We all have different value to bring. And if we understand what our strengths are and we play to those strengths, surely that's the most valuable and powerful version of a person that you can have in your team and the most fulfilled that that person can possibly be. So I love that this is something that you really bring into your leadership and that you build your career progression and professional development conversations. You build it around this. I also, I'm dying to go and have a look at it now to see what I'd like my top strengths to be and then what
1: they (laughs) actually are. (laughs) It can be very surprising sometimes, so you, and you, and you so you look at the top strings and also the bottom strings. I think that's equally interesting to be like, okay okay, so these are the things that you least identify with, or is that really something you don't want to have in your day to day? And just kind of asking relevant questions around that as well is, is super interesting.
0: Absolutely. That's a very good point, Charlotte, because where I pointed out there that being aware of your strengths and traditionally we've called it flaws or gaps, but actually it's recognizing the skills and qualities that do exist in us And the things that we really want to do and the things that we're really not motivated by. And if you can recognize those as an individual, but also as a leader of individuals and find roles and activities, projects that play to their strengths and avoid the ones that aren't so motivating, that's got to get the best out of your team, surely. For you as a leader, that's got to be one of your North Stars, right? (laughs) Getting the best out of your team. I'm going to recommend that everyone goes and has a look at their character strengths. And I'm going to do it as soon as we get off this recording. I love that. Focus on the strengths building their confidence and getting a really good environment. Which reminds me, I wrote down something here, which uh, you said about creating the environment which works for for them, for your team. Back to practicalities, quite a lot of these conversations are theoretical. they're, They're quite broad. The conversations might resonate with people what are some practical examples of how you do that
1: yes definitely so to start with i think it goes back to one understanding the north star i think that's the foundation and understanding what drives their motivation what excites them you know what what gets them to want to come to work and also why did they join the the company in the first place like well what's how is this role going to help them further in their career i think that's also a really important question to ask And based on that question, you find out what they enjoy about the job. One thing I've done in the past is just asking them to list the responsibilities that they have and say, which ones are the two you really want to always be doing? And if you could remove two of them, which ones would those be? And that, again, creates an understanding of, you know, what do they like to do? And also, what are the blockers for maybe some of the tasks or responsibilities that they're less keen on doing? And again, it creates an understanding, I think, at the end of the day, it comes back to understanding your people and then understanding certain blockers and helping them through those blockers. Is it kind of longer term blockers or is it short term blockers because short term blockers could be a knowledge gap, it could be a support gap. It could be a tools gap, so it's understanding those gaps and those blockers for them to actually find motivation in doing certain tasks. Uh, or sometimes it's a long-term gap and a long-term blocker and therefore it's just understanding okay so you know how do we transform this into something that is actually more meaningful to them can we link this back to the to the north star and say okay doing certain things or linking it back to the company objectives and or just recognizing okay this is maybe not the most exciting task <laughs> and I get you but this is just you know we're a business at the end of the day it's part of your role so it's just kind of putting the concept of reality uh, around certain things that are maybe not as fun and i think just recognizing that and not being scared of having the conversation and saying okay we i understand and i appreciate this is maybe not as fun but this is what we need to do and it's also what you need to do to get you know further in your career so i think it's just being really honest and having really transparent conversations and just really assessing what what works and what doesn't.
0: A couple of things that occurred to me there, the realization was just heartwarming for me, is that you hear quite often that maybe we should use the term manager instead of leader, but managers tend to manage their teams and they just want the work doing and they just need to achieve their business objectives without really thinking about how the team are feeling. And in some instances maybe even blocking development and career progression because they don't want to lose anyone from their team. They don't want any churn. They don't want to have to replace anyone. They don't have to retrain anyone. What I'm really getting a feel from when you talk about your leadership style is this career progression that you've shaped everything around is that you're being a very open leader. You are working with your team in order to understand what sort of role will be best for them. And if that isn't the role that they're in right now, then where else could they go? In the organization obviously as a first port of call i would think you've got a good team member they're not loving everything that they do as as a csm where else could they go within the organization and, and helping them to understand what their longer term goals are rather than being one of those leaders who's trying to chain everyone to their team because they don't want to lose anyone and that and i think that's a really that's a very valuable quality and, and quite a rare quality actually so I, I appreciate you for that charlotte and also then this there's this feeling coming through about the fact that you're nurturing them you're building their confidence you're focusing on their strengths you're talking there about honesty and transparency these words and and concepts lead me into feeling about the skills and qualities that you appreciate in leadership but also in culture we've talked a lot about you as a leader what have you appreciated from some of the leaders that you have worked with over the years?
1: I think authenticity is definitely one of them. And I think probably that's what I'm bringing back into my leadership style. Um, one of my very first managers, actually, he was so authentic to a point that was really kind of not reflecting any of the textbook managers that you would expect. <laughs> yeah. And But the fact that it was almost shocking, but it just was so well-intentioned. And it was so authentic and it just created a space for me to kind of connect to him as a a human as well. And also just understanding his intentions with me. He was asking all of these questions as well in terms of where I wanted to be in my career. Uh, He also made sure I was always exposed to a lot of different opportunities, either in his team or somewhere else. He really, really wanted me to succeed. And I appreciated that so much. It really built my confidence. And that was definitely something I wanted to take on uh, for, for the teams that I would be working with. I cannot tell you how much I love that. And also how thrilled I am for you that one of your first experiences
0: with a leader is that they were that type of leader. It, it is rare. It's getting better. There's plenty more people and there's lots of talk around human first business and human first leadership, human first culture. We are people, you know, the fact that you said there, connect as a human. Uh, Organisations, companies are made up of people and we're all human at the end of the day. So it makes utter sense to me that we treat each other as humans and that would mean that we would get the most out of each other. The other thing that you said there, which I have written in capital letters with lots of exclamation marks around it, is authenticity. Because that, again, is one of the qualities and values around leadership and culture that I'm most passionate because I th- again, you can tell when somebody's not being authentic with you. And it just means that we're wasting energy trying to guess what's happening. And then we're also wasting energy trying to be somebody that we think the other person wants us to be rather than just being our natural, authentic self. What about your teams? Let me tell you where I'm going with this. When you talk to people about being a leader, Quite often they'll say, Oh, I don't see myself as a leader. For me, I think anyone could be a leader. I'm a trustee for a charity where um, we work in Ghana with school age children. Uh, and there are many leaders within our beneficiaries. They've got ideas, they've got different perspectives. And I think we can all learn so much from each other. What's your thought around who makes a good leader and, and what qualities they might bring to the table?
1: Yes, absolutely. So For me, it all goes back to having the right intentions of wanting to be a people manager. I think for some people, it's a very natural thing and it's something they enjoy doing because they have the empathy for other people. They have this natural desire to help other people and and really wanting to support other people in their careers. And I think if you recognize that in yourself, it doesn't really matter how much experience you have. Obviously, experience helps a lot because <laughs> it helps you improve. It helps you, you know, change your, your ways of, of managing a team. But I think at the end of the day, if the team can recognize that you have the right intentions, that you actually care, that you want to support them and make them successful in whatever they do. I think that's just the baseline for a great leader and you can bring that on into your first day of being a manager.
0: You have some very thoughtful responses. I love this. I think also that come, kind of comes back to the authenticity that we were talking about a moment ago. If you've got the right intentions, that shows, that shows through because you can be authentic about it. Uh, and interestingly, you did mention something there that I was wondering whether to bring into this episode is you said something about there are people who are very natural at it. It is their their natural empathy, compassion, support, their emotional energy that they bring to everything that they do in in life, and and including professional life. I was listening to a webinar a few months ago, and it was actually an interesting one because it wasn't a panel. It was an actual debate. And the hypothesis was that you cannot... Teach somebody to be a great leader. Where would you land on that debate and hypothesis?
1: That's a tough one. I would say you can definitely gain experience in it. And if, if again, if you want to become a great leader, and that's your objective, then there's definitely a way towards it. Maybe it's going to take you longer because it's maybe not a natural thing that that comes with you. But I'm sure that if you want, again, if that's your objective and that's the intention that you have, you want to become a great leader. there's so many resources and so many communities and people you can speak to you can get a coach like there's so many opportunities to develop those skills so i'm I'm not saying if you don't if you're not born with the skills you can never become a leader but i can but as long as again it comes back to the intention and your own objectives if it's important to you to be a great leader then you can become one but if you're only becoming a people manager because you see that as a way of of progressing and a way of getting more power and authority then I think maybe then it becomes a clash and then it's maybe harder to shape certain behaviors for those people.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that. There's a slight nuance in there that you touched on that is, is one of the things that I'm discussing a lot with people is I think there is a difference between being a leader and having a job title, which people assume is a leadership role. If you're in the leadership team, if you're in the C-suite, then you're classed as a leader. And yes, that is one aspect of it. The definition of leader and the, the topic of leaders and leadership is very broad. And for me, I think a true leader doesn't need a title, isn't necessarily the person who has the title. A true leader and a great leader is somebody who inspires others, has that empathy and compassion and potentially doesn't even realize the impact that they're having on other people it is the way that they handle things and respond to people and build relationships with people that just it is it's not the person themselves that make the decision that they're a leader It's the people that choose to follow them or to be inspired by them or to approach them for guidance and support and that nurturing and empathy that you're talking about. Those are some of the things that I sometimes think about. And perhaps that is the difference between whether you can teach somebody to be a great leader or not is what do you define a great leader to be? Who do you define to be a great leader? Can they put that choice on themselves? Can they say, I am a leader or does it have to be? an external kind of response to, to who they are. What's your take on that? I mean, I'm, I'm literally just kind of throwing ideas around right now. So have you got any any thoughts in response to that?
1: I believe it's also how you treat people in general. So it's not just how you treat people in your team, but treat people across the company or people that maybe not don't work in your company, but just happen to be in the office. I think it's just it should be part of your core value of who you are. I think it's not just a role, it's not just a title that you get, it's also part of your character a little bit, I suppose your your work character, sometimes it can also be your personal character, but just kind of this, this leadership attitude and just how you treat people, how you build relationships internally and externally, I think those are the things that really define good leadership at the end of the day, because when you need people the most it's if you haven't built this relationship if you haven't appreciated the people around you it's going to be really hard for you for people to step up for you and actually help you out so I think it's really like every day you should leave, live by those values and really be appreciative of people around you take an actual interest in people around you treat people well and I think that's gonna help you much further in life. Absolutely. I, I think that's a, a good mantra for anybody in life to live by,
0: which is probably why I'm so passionate about this subject and that perspective and trying to contribute to the conversation by having this podcast. But also, uh, I couldn't help but smile my way through that last response, Charlotte, because everything you talked about there, we're both um, from the customer success world. Everything you talked about there reminded me of being a customer success professional, whether that's a CSM or lead of a of a of a CS team. You have to do all of those things, you have to build relationships, you have to care about the people on the other end, whether that's your customers, your teammates, the people within your organisation, we all contribute to the success of our customers, we all contribute to the outcomes of our customers, and we need to build the relationships in order to bring the right people in at the right time and get their contributions to where we're trying to get to. So actually, does that mean that all customer success professionals are good leaders? (laughs) (laughs)
1: maybe this is the answer (laughs) well and and, and again
0: bringing that back you know one of the things that I really do think is important or you know what I what I would really love to see happen and we talk about this a lot in customer success as well don't we that um, customer success is not just one person one team one discipline it is a company-wide philosophy it should be a company-wide philosophy everyone contributes to customer success Uh, and all of those qualities that you raised there about great leaders I do think a lot of that shines through in customer success because you have to build so many relationships in order to move everything forward I would passionately hope that if more businesses embraced customer success not just as a discipline in a team but across the organization embedded the foundational principles in their values, in their culture, in the way that they did business, we'd actually have a much more heart-centered, human first approach to business which would um, improve the world that we live in and also give us time and energy to help towards the social challenges that we have in the world as well that's my very small tiny vision for the world and I love the kind of ideas and experiences you've had so far today and can't wait to see where you go forwards because you're so early on in your career Treating your team as people first, understanding their North Star and then how it fits into your environment and how it fits into what you need to achieve. I think that's an amazing blueprint. Uh, and I think we should get more of that out into the world. Finally, back into the culture piece before we wrap up for today. What does a good culture look like to you? What are some examples of of how people manage to create a good culture and sustain a good culture
1: the question of all questions <laughs> that's true yeah you're not wrong yeah no it's a big question culture is super important and values that are associated to the culture are super important as well and it's and i can see that more and more at first i thought values was just something you put on your website is a bit of a marketing And, and then you were introduced to them during your onboarding and that was it, but I think more and more companies now really live by their culture and you can see it's part of their interview process I think that's super important It really kind of gives you more insights on the candidates you're interviewing so I think building, you know your values question into your interview process is a really great start. Uh, one it gives them an opportunity as well to ask questions back and also make sure that that's the culture is a fit for them but also when you ask those questions you can also see is there a bit of a culture match and and how do they react react to their uh, to your culture to begin with then i suppose it's also building in culture and value into your business objectives we actually just had a conversation yesterday about this we were trying to solve a problem internally looking at how we could you know just become better at sharing knowledge across the business because there's so many different teams so you know when it comes from sales to then customer success but then operations and then now we have an insurance team and and a product team and (laughs) there's so many teams involved so we were trying to understand what's the best way of having that knowledge flow across the different teams and then we're just thinking about as well did the culture and value aspect that fits into that because we're, we're early stage, we're trying to build something together. So there's a lot of learnings that need to be had. And there's a lot of you know mistakes that we need to be making and we will be making. So it's also how do we react to, the, to making mistakes and, and, and are we able to step up and share those mistakes or are we going to be scared? So again, that kind of goes back to the culture piece where if you have a value where you recognize people that step up and actually talk about their mistakes, and are very you know kind of proactive about it and build a plan of, of of resolution around it that should be something that is recognized instead of feared. So I think again it's like Okay, so now we have this. objective of becoming better at sharing knowledge, but then also, how do we treat someone that makes a mistake, or you know that doesn't achieve this objective and you know make that part of the care even so. I don't know if that made any sense, but yeah, just building in your culture, your values into everything you do and just recognizing people for for doing the right thing. It
0: made a lot of sense. It
1: was interesting in my
0: mind to go through an evolution of times. Some of this will be before your time. You started there by talking about not feeling like culture and values was a tangible thing when I started my first job I don't even think values were a thing that's the realization that I had while you were talking is that if you don't pay attention to your culture then you're unlikely to have a solid positive motivating and fulfilling culture different people will be handling things in different way it won't be cohesive it won't be aligned in a lot of instances that's probably where toxic cultures come from I've lived through quite a lot of toxic cultures which is why today I I'm so passionate about really understanding values and culture and aligning those. The evolution from people not understanding about paying attention to their internal culture to you having experiences where not only are there values which are absolutely authentic and true to the the culture that the company started with and is building and is, is, is sustaining and maintaining and they're building it into their interview processes in order to ensure that there's an alignment where you can still get lots of different people with lots of different perspectives in but as long as your underlying values are aligned then that will help you know, build a strong and maintain a strong culture and then i really love that and that's a really practical example of how to show your values and your culture By making sure that it's part of the conversation when you're talking about your business objectives, how are we going to make this as authentic as possible? How are we going to make this as easy as possible for people? And that is one of the hardest things. People don't tend to step up and admit mistakes because so many companies have blame cultures, whether they pretend they do or not, when somebody makes a mistake. Generally, you get blamed in some way or get told off in some way. But if you are recognised, celebrated even, for stepping forward and highlighting what has happened, why it happened and what the learning is from that, because that's the important thing. Making mistakes is part of life. And we just it's the way that we handle it that's important. And recognising Um, The learning from that, I think, is the most important thing. So I loved that practical example. I love the fact that you're building into your business objectives. And I love that it's actually your values are part of your business conversations. That's really fantastic. Thank you so much. We've had so much to talk about. I've loved all of your perspectives from the theoretical, from your experiences to the practical um, application of some of these um, ideas. It's been a truly wonderful episode for me. Thank you so much for coming on. I always ask this of guests if people want to find out more about you or have more conversations with you, are you open to that? Where can they find you?
1: Yes, of course. I love having these conversations. Every conversation helps. And uh, yes, yeah, so you can find me on LinkedIn, Charlotte Cobart.
0: Charlotte's LinkedIn profile will be on the episode notes. So thanks, as I said, for a great conversation, Charlotte. And many thanks to those of you listening at the other end. Watch out for the next episode next week of the Inspiring Future Leaders podcast. Bye for now. Thank you. Bye.